corner with me, Brian Campbell. This is the professional wrestling edition. Now me, I am handsome Nick Costos. And right now, I am looking at my closet. I'm looking at the $600 Ted Baker blazer, the $200 Ted Baker tie, the $300 Hugo Boss slacks, my $600 brown Ferragamos, and my $700 black Prada shoes. And I'm trying to decide what outfit I can wear today. Not the one that's going to look the best, but the one that costs the most. Do you know why? Because I care about that sort of thing. Not because I make a lot of money. Not because I'm very talented. Both of those things are true. But because at the core of it all, I am a petty, pathetic, insecure little man and one that you can follow on Instagram at the Costos, T-H-E-K-O-S-T-O-S. And as always, I am joined by my tag team partners. First up, he is the Tsar of Russia. You know him better as the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now. And as always, I am also joined by the man whose name is on the marquee. Come on. He is the icon. Let's go. He is the main event. Bring it. He is the showstopper. A man. He is the whole effing show. One time. He is the bod that runs the pod. Stay hyped. He is the mast that guides the cast. Here we go. You know his name, damn it. He is the Brian Campbell. Oh. Yeah. BC, tell them what's on the podcast. Do yourselves a favor, fine listeners, and yes, get some of this. We are revving up for what should be a loaded and wild episode as we look back on a pair of memorable go-home episodes and properly set the stage for this weekend's double shot of NXT TakeOver War Games and an absolutely loaded Survivor Series card from Houston. We will also answer your DMs as we prepare the syringe to inject you with another lethal dose of the one drug that's not banned on WWE's wellness policy, that performance-enhancing audio. So without any further ado... Hello, ladies. Let me hand the keys back to a guy who gets a lot of flack for his good looks. I mean, he gets a lot of flack for his reputation as somebody who's willing to... But I'm here to clear the air for a second. Anyone who thinks the Greek has done some dirty things on his way to the top, well, they're actually absolutely right. In fact, I've I've seen some of the DMs, but that's not the point here. The point is this. That doesn't mean he isn't talented because as the famous poet A.J. Lee once said, Talent is not sexually transmitted. (laughs) Very true. And this man has plenty of it. The most passionate man in North America, Nick Costos. I have to be honest. I might disagree with AJ Lee on that on that on that last assessment there. Um, it, it might actually be in some regards, and it's like I always say when it comes to this job, Highlander. There can only be one. Don't get in the way, or you go right under the boss. And are Ryan Campbell, red talent. You're trying to say you've passed talent on through through relations. I'm just trying to say AJ Lee sounded very jealous about something there, and I'm not sure what it was. So let's just move on now, Brian, to open the show as we always do with the main event. This is the All right, so I'll be honest. I'm super into the Survivor Series main events, especially after what we saw this week on Raw and SmackDown. Let's begin in sequential order. And I loved this segment for so many different reasons. I've been excited since I watched it on Monday to delve into it with you guys and all the listeners. Triple H putting himself in as the fifth and final member of the Raw Survivor Series team. You get the grand setup throughout the show with Kurt Angle and Jason Jordan, Bray Wyatt attacking Jason Jordan after his Raw match. Um, Got the storyline injury. 
Angle doesn't want Jordan to compete. Jordan begging for it. Triple H comes out. It's Jordan with the pedigree and announces he's on the Raw Survivor Series team. Brian Campbell, business has picked up. It has in a big way, Nick. And it has because when Triple H comes back on Raw, say what you will about it. And we're about to say what we will about it because it does have a ripple effect. But when he comes back to Raw, Nick, there are very few people who, like I always like to say, raises the rent, right? It's Vince. It's Brock Lesnar when he's been gone for six, nine months. And for me, it's Triple H, even more than Steph. When he comes back, it's always major. And I'm not talking about when he comes back for NXT or when he comes back as the creator, as he likes to say. Nick, when he comes back as the destroyer, he's arguably the best performer on Raw. Not only does he deliver the intensity in the promo still better than anybody in the company, but his booking is always top shelf. He gives himself dream booking at all times. This was no different the backbone of what you said, setting the stage with that storyline, making Jason Jordan look like an annoying crybaby who we wanted to just be out of there in this babyface role where the crowd, Nick, is basically like, you know, giving him the hey, 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 goodbye chant in the thank you, Bray Wyatt, when he's hurt. He's have- getting the old Rocky chants, basically, like when, when when The Rock was a good guy back in the day. Like he's I'm not saying he's The Rock, but like that's the type of heat he's getting. That's exactly what he's getting. That's a great point, which is which just like The Rock with Rocky, who did his best work once he turned heel. Obviously, I think that's going to work for Jason Jordan and we can expand on that. But the whole point is this. When Triple H comes back, Nick, do top stars get buried? Yes, they do. But you know what? That's the bed that WWE has made when it's money time, when it's go time, when it's time for the four majors, they always dip back to the guys who used to be, who know how to make the money, who know how to draw the heat. They did that again. And for doing that, Nick, it worked because Triple H is that good. You saw the stare down, the look he gave Kurt Angle on the way out. That pedigree was like the perfect middle finger cherry on top. That was like, not only did I take your son's spot. But here, I'm just going to drop him with my finisher to show you that I hate right you. Right in front of your I face. I hate your son. I hate what you stand for. And by the way, I'll see you at Mania. Yeah, and listen, uh, yes, and I think that that's really, that's the uh, the fly in the ointment here, so to speak, is that Triple H and Angle will likely have that Mania match. It's been rumored for a long time. That's going to be great. And, you know, w- when we first um, talked about this match, you know, um, the first two Raw and SmackDowns here, when we had the first Under Siege angle, we had a lot of issues with everything. And, you know, the storylines didn't seem to make sense. And you had the Under Siege with the SmackDown wrestlers' heels and faces, you know, operating on the same team. And we were all sort of like, eh, we don't know if this is really that good. You know, fast forward about a month here, they have really pulled it together nicely. And, like, and I'm super jacked up for this card. I can't wait for it. And I thought that this segment was so good. And, you know, in a segment that featured two Hall of Fame performers in Triple H and Kurt Angle, I can't believe I'm saying this. I thought the best performer out of all of them was Jason Jordan. I thought he was terrific on Monday night because he did exactly what WWE wanted him to do. He played the annoying babyface role. So, like, please, Kurt. Question. He, he succeeded in drawing heat. We just both talked about it. But, Nick, did he do it on purpose? A hundred percent. From being 100%. a performer. That's what I want to know. I think he did it on purpose. I think that that was what they wanted him to do. Because, he, because look. The, the lines that they gave him were designed to have people being like, why do you deserve it? Like, he's what Jason Jordan, why do you deserve to be in this main event? Because you've worked really hard. You know who works hard? A lot of people. You know who doesn't get big-time opportunities? A lot of people. Like, this is all calculated. They don't send people out to the ring. Everything's heavily scripted. They do it for a reason. And this is why I say life pantomimes professional wrestling and vice versa. It's all about drawing a reaction from people. So when Jason Jordan goes out to the ring, 
WWE knows that the fans aren't into him. They know that they don't like him. He's lost a lot of matches. And for Jason Jordan in the storyline to say, I deserve it because I've worked hard. Jason Jordan, what the hell have you done to deserve the opportunity? And when they say in the storyline, Stephanie goes, John Cena is the fifth member of Team SmackDown. Why is Jason Jordan the fifth member of Team Raw? And Jordan doesn't have the sense to say, you know what, Dad? In the storyline, Kurt, you're right. I should not be the fifth member of Team Raw. I haven't earned it yet. Instead, he's a whiny little baby brat going out there saying, please, Dad, please, Dad. You know who wants to see that? Nobody. And that's why it was so effective. That's why it got the heat it did. And when Jason Jordan finally turns heel, it's going to be awesome. So we can talk more about Triple H and more about Angle, and it's great to have Triple H back, but I felt it was necessary to credit Jason Jordan. I felt that his performance in that segment was the best of the three. No, no, and that's a great call. And I think that, you know, you love the interplay of the storyline of him saying, like, essentially, Dad, you were my idol without me knowing that you were my dad, and I learned it by watching you. I'm willing to go out here on this on this badly hurt left knee kayfabe because I've seen you win a freaking gold medal with a freaking broken neck. Like, that stuff was perfect. And I think what they really set the stage here is for some possibilities. Our assumption is that this leads to Triple H and Angle at Mania. And that should be our assumption. Triple H has been the guy in the last few years who gets the legends, right? Who's going to get that type of program, that type of opportunity. And by doing that to his son, that's all that needed to be done from here on out. And that's a WrestleMania match. But something we've teased in in the interim is the idea on this build. And it hasn't been a great build, the father-son angle, with overall, with Angle and Jordan. But there's been a little bit of argument at time between them where it's leading you to believe that at some point they're going to turn on each other. So does that happen before or after a build to Mania? Is that more of a long-term ploy? That's what I can't figure out, but I think we got some of those feels because even though Angle was pro his son in this situation and certainly looked angry when Triple H did that to his son, this is an uneasy father-son relationship to begin with because they just found out about it. And I think at the very least, they've represented some of those feels across through the camera that this isn't perfect right now, that they don't know really how to be with each other. And that's the perfect sort of foundation to have them eventually turn when they do. And Jordan's going to be the one that turns heel because Angle's going to stay a face because the crowd loves him and he'll face a heel Triple H at WrestleMania. So Jordan's going to be the one that turns heel. And really, Jordan should be the one that turns heel because the crowd wants to boo him like the same way they wanted to boo The Rock 20 some odd years ago. All right, how about that? And look, and again, just to reiterate, PC. I'm not saying that Jason Jordan is going to be the rock because he's not going to be probably we're never we may never get another rock again. But you can, you can't help but draw the parallels between the two. Situations. You can't help but draw the parallels for what you said about how he's been perceived by the crowd. And let's not forget, they pulled him out of a successful tag team that was in the you know SmackDown title picture and was former champions to do this. So they're doing something big with Jason Jordan, although they've soft pedaled it in recent weeks. So here's essentially my question. That goes beyond Sunday night. That goes toward, you know, April in, uh, in New Orleans is this, Nick. Does Jordan turn before? And does he turn to join Triple H? Does Triple H buy him as like, you know, I'm the authority satanic, you know, devil figure on your shoulder saying, you don't need your father. I will make you a superstar. Is that how this angle is going to be? Probably. Is going to be best. Yeah, I mean. I mean, probably. I mean, however you get to Jason Jordan turning heel, I think is going to be pretty good. But um, so we hit the Jason Jordan part. Silver King, you have anything to add on Jason Jordan before we move to the Triple H part of this in Survivor Series? I just think it's fun that we've gotten to the point uh, watching WWE now that we just gloss over that Bray Wyatt returns and jobs out to Jason Jordan. I mean, it's just funny that a guy who we all were loving as WWE champion, you know, nine months ago is doing the job in his return after coming after having a, the mumps or some viral you know, illness. Um in, in terms of Jason Jordan, so what you guys said about The Rock, 
you know, really works for me in terms of him being that kind of swarmy crybaby bitch. Let's just call it what it was. Um, but this, to me, with Jason Jordan, the build has always seemed very John Cena-esque. If you remember when John Cena came in and stood toe-to-toe with Kurt Angle in the ring, and he slapped him across the face for that ruthless aggression and, and the whole thing they did there. So I think this is a combination, Rock being a bitch, John Cena being aggressive type thing they're doing with him. And, you know, in, in Hollywood, when someone has a key role or a key moment on screen, they call it a star-making turn. For me, what Jason Jordan did Monday night was his star-making turn. They gave him an opportunity to do something outside of you know actual in-ring work and to star and succeed in it, and he came through majorly. So, so well, I think it still remains to be seen if if Jordan is able to nail this and they're able to, to get it right moving forward. But I think all of us very optimistic. I think Silver King just wanted to say the word bitch, to be totally honest. They wanted to get that in a couple times. I, it, but hey, um, The listeners yeah. can't see it right now, but you're recording this from your bedroom and you're now full mount on your bed over a pillow. I just want to know. <laughs> I mean, because my, my, my neck and my shoulders and my back are screwed up and have been for months now. And I've got the stool that I sit on and it's hurting like my lower back and it's causing nerve pain in my legs. So I'm currently laying in my bed right now. Yes, correct. Because it's more comfortable. And also... I'm pretty tired because I worked late last night, but I no one cares about that. So when they feel your passion, they're actually feeling your passion. Like they're legitimately, you know, feeling your passion. Yes. In the, uh, in the, in the, <laughs> in the old, in the old feel hall. Now um, we all came on when this angle first started, as I said, and we all kind of crapped on it, right? This is going to suck. You know, what's the purpose of Raw versus SmackDown and Survivor Series? So now here we are on the precipice of the pay-per-view coming up on Sunday. And this 10-man tag match, the Survivor Series 5-on-5, five five, I, I am super excited for. I'm excited for this card. And, Brian, I'm going to give you the opportunity not to make a public mea culpa because I think that you were right in your criticism initially. But it's WWE completely won you back with what we saw on Monday Night Raw. We're going to get to the SmackDown part of it coming up here. But the more important facet, in my opinion, took place on Monday Night Raw. They well, I, I think you need to bring SmackDown into this discussion to for me to for me to completely tell you that. But certainly, I thought Raw worked. I thought the ending was great. I thought they they're adding enough wrinkles to the overall storyline. Like it's not just Under Siege, Blue versus Red. There's a lot of other underlayers that are uh, around these matches that are going to lead to spinoff feuds heading into Mania. So in reality, yes, that's how you build it. There's got to be a lot of like uh, under underhang juice, if you will. Some like uh, and what what word am I like? I'm not Grundle would be a bad word, but some like uh, like just you know un, under 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 juice that's forming. And I think they've done a great job. Under of juice hashtag under juice. I would <laughs> like for people that tweet us to start using hashtag under juice. I don't know what it is, but I think it's pretty funny. And I don't think they came full circle on under siege to the point that they completely fixed it, but they have my attention. They have me excited for Sunday. And do you know what they accomplished this week, Nick? They accomplished real go home episodes, which we haven't seen in a long time. Like yeah. go back on how we preview the last eight or nine pay-per-views. Each time we're like, you know, this week kind of stunk. This really, in this network era, this really wasn't a true go-home to get you excited. But, you know, Macro, looking from the outside in, both Monday and Tuesday nights, I left both episodes being, wow, now I can't wait to see what happens on Sunday based upon what just happened. It wasn't the generic normal mail-in. So I'll give him that full credit. Yeah, I mean, this this was great, and I'm pumped for Triple H to be back. It adds some serious star power to this match. We all marked out for the segment between Triple H Angle and Jason Jordan on Monday night. And let's just put a bow on the Triple H stuff here before we move on to SmackDown. How about Triple H's video on Twitter that he releases on social media challenging my guy, 
the modern day Maharaja. I wish that I could do the uh, the, the R thing that one of the Sun Brothers does. Maharaja. With. I'm, I'm so obsessed with that. Um, I love the Singh Brothers, and I love gender. Triple H challenges gender, so we're going to get Triple H and gender in one of the main events coming up in India, which guys would seem to disqualify gender from potentially winning the WWE Championship back from AJ Styles when WWE is on tour in Asia coming up in December. Yeah, I mean, this, this, this kind of disproves that, that they're not going in that direction, which is obviously smart by them. It was smart to put the belt on AJ before to make AJ Brock. It's just as smart to not force the belt back on gender in what would be a predictable situation. Now, what they're doing on this tour, not that it really matters to us as American fans, is taking what was a couple-night stand and just shortening it to one night. They're going to load up the card. My question, though, on the whole Triple G, Triple G, look at me getting boxing. Triple H is back, back, baby. (laughs) With Jinder Mahal is there's times that things are obvious after they happen and we should have saw it coming. Like, we should have saw this coming, that Triple H was going to enter this Survivor Series match. Like, he's been on tour around the world for the past few weeks. It wasn't just that one-off in South America to join the Shield and kind of fill the gap when AJ and Kevin Owens weren't there. This is this turned into a tour of Europe, and should we have probably saw this coming, that Triple H was going to insert himself into Survivor Series, considering how often he's been wrestling lately? I think you're 100% right. And, I mean, I think this is when you got you got all panties in a bunch BC last week and your underjuice all over the place about Triple H with the shield. It wasn't that big a deal and it was important to things to come. And, and now I think everyone's pretty excited for what we're going to get. And it means Silver King, you got to be happy, right? Because now Ginger's not going to win the belt back. So the Silver King's happy. Am I correct? Yeah. I mean, I still think he can win the belt back and probably will at some point, but yeah, um, I think this is a good move for them. It gives a really big star name in that match. Um, and, and it takes care of the audience in India. You know, they weren't expecting to see Triple H on that card, and now they get to see him do do the job, right? I mean, you can't have Jinder lose to Triple H, right? No, Jinder is going to win that match. Yeah, it's an off-TV match. Triple H will do the job. Come on. And and then look, Triple H, you know what he always says? Like, he needs to do what's best for business. What's best for business is Triple H. Um, putting doing the job for the one two three to Jinder Mahal coming up in India um, wait, wait, um, at the beginning um, of December. WWE champion Jinder Mahal. Oh, okay, just God me. Almighty. Yes, WWE champion Jinder Mahal has uh, so says Kurt Angle. And speaking of Kurt Angle, it only took a month, Kurt, but congratulations, buddy. You retaliated for the under siege attack that SmackDown perpetrated on Monday Night Raw. SmackDown Live ends. It's a tag team match with um, involving Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and the New Day. The Shields music hits. They come out in really cheesy looking um, half Shield, half Monday Night Raw red shirts. They come in from the crowd, and then it's a full Monday Night Raw assault on the SmackDown locker room. We get Braun Strowman makes an appearance. Samoa Joe comes out. Some others. Double, triple powerbomb to Shane McMahon. Angle slam from Angle to Shane McMahon. I thought this was pretty cool. Was it predictable? Yes. But in my opinion, who cares? Because I really liked it, Bri. I was really into both of these go-home shows this week. Yeah, you know, the, my point about them giving us a real go-home show, this is what sealed it. It was the retaliation. Look, they had to retaliate or the storyline would have been broken, and they had to do it with their best. Their best went forward, and they did that. So overall, when you're talking about the intensity that was shown in their retaliation, you're talking about the length of the segment, and you're talking about the timing to making sure they got it in there to get you juiced up that one final time. This all worked. It wasn't perfect, though. It wasn't a full circle on completely repairing, let's say, the sins of how they launched this under siege, where I sat there on night one going, 
it's not believable that these guys would be that mad. At the very least, you're still not satisfied, dude. Are you really not satisfied? Still, I'm trying. I'm trying to make a full circle point, and you're you're cutting in on me. What my point was, while I wasn't there that night. This does bring you back because all the raw guys, every single one of them had legitimate reason to want to get this come up. It's my biggest problem overall with it, though, is kind of what you said. It's not so much how predictable it was to me. It's how generic it was like they talked. Stephanie talked about a Monday night, you know, like whose fault was it, Kurt, that there was no arena security that didn't know that the new day was coming in. Guys, they talked all Smackdown episode that the retaliation was coming. And guess what? They came in wearing raw T-shirts. And like 40 of them snuck into the arena and nobody noticed. So while I say that, I say that's generic. We already saw that exact same attack on night one and kind of teased with with the New Day last week. Nick, would it have been hard to just make this retaliation something a little more creative, right? Dress them up in, you know, security outfits or there's some kind of UPS truck and there's a delivery. I don't know. Just something that would have explained a little bit better how 25 guys all wearing the same shirt are going to walk into the arena when everyone's prepared that they're coming and then do the same type of attack through the crowd. That was really my only stickling point, but I'm not telling you that to say I didn't like it. It adequately did what it needed to do to get you you jazzed up for Sunday night. I'm almost scared to to say what I'm about to say because I feel like it could spiral this conversation into a different direction, but I feel like it's worth noting here and probably a larger conversation for another show when there's not as much going on, but our buddy Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer, right? I read it every week. It's it's excellent stuff. I would recommend it to wrestling fans. And he had a line from the last one, which I'm going to read right now, where he's sort of going through the, the SmackDown versus Raw storyline, right? And how it's sort of come to fruition. And his final line in the paragraph is, but there will be an explanation. And this is after he's saying, like, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense this doesn't make sense probably like like we have been doing and you especially and he goes but there will be an explanation and today those trivialities and having storylines that make sense aren't considered important to vince mcmahon nor do they affect business any longer i'm going to repeat that having storylines that make sense isn't considered important to vince mcmahon nor do having storylines that make sense affect business any longer I just think this is the reality of what we're dealing with here. You're sad. right, Bri. You're right. It, it is sad. There's no question about it. It's a sad reality because, like, hey, heads up, guys. It is fake, and we all know it's fake. So when it's fake, it becomes theater. We love the theater, but the theater doesn't work without a good, plausible story. So is it probably true that it doesn't affect their bottom line enough to force them to change? Meaning, guess what? Merch still coming off the shelves, and if you put Roman Reigns in a – 10 o'clock match on Monday night, the ratings will still be there. All those things are still true. But if we're talking about expanding the business, if we're talking about reigniting fans and keeping fans, how hard is a concept of it to say, if we work a little bit harder on making our stories connect and make sense, have some kind of arc, make people really feel satisfied when they come to a conclusion so that they'll want to come back for more, is that really that hard of a concept? Like, are they really in a position where they can just be like, ah, screw it, we're number one. We're still selling merch and we're still getting ratings. Yeah, who really cares? Like, if that's your default attitude, then, like, you're really asking for people to walk away. Like, I'm sorry, you are asking for it to happen. And maybe it'll take a while for that to happen and it'll take a competitor, which is a whole other conversation that we love, that I love to talk about on the show, the whole revolution, all that. But that's really your default business plan? Like, come on, you're better than that. I just don't know how legitimate of a point or opinion that is because – I mean, look, we're all online. You know, we get tweets. We, we go on message boards. We see what's going on. Fans are jacked 
up for Survivor Series all of a sudden. And three weeks ago, if you asked them if they felt the same way and if they'd even watch it, they might say no, or we'll catch the replay, or now I'm not going to subscribe to the network. This is an explosive card. It's jam-packed. The storylines have, for the most part, all been really good. Tons of underjuice. Tons of underjuice. And look, we were all absolutely crapping on WWE about four weeks ago with the initial Under Siege. They have completely fixed it. They filled every hole that we were talking about. Right, let's not go completely. They, 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 they did. Adequately to, to make it work. But like the overall point, they're still like, hey, John Cena joined the SmackDown team and it still makes no okay. sense. He wasn't even there. <laughs> but the they're coach. going, they'll explain. Brian, I, I honestly, like, and uh, listen, you're not wrong for how you feel. So this is not like you're right or wrong. But the point is, is that it doesn't matter because you're, you're basically, you know what you are? You're old man yelling at the sky. Like you're yelling at the, cl- it's ne- it doesn't matter. Like you're not wrong, but like you could scream from the hilltops and, and, until you lose your voice. Vince McMahon doesn't care. Like that's, that's the reality of it. So like, it's that's never why, going to happen. That's why what they're what they're mostly doing is no longer art form. That's why they're considered the McDonald's of pro wrestling. But right? I disagree. I feel like this month's build Correct. has been art. I'm into it. Uh, oh, okay. Well, let's look. This overall, this month's build isn't bad. But let's not act. See, like, I disagree. I just I think not, it's better. I think you're shortchanging it when right, you say right. okay, it's not I am, bad. I am. What I'm trying to say is it's got it's got me juiced. I've come back full circle. I'm really excited for Saturday. But I'm more excited for Saturday about the star power and Sunday. about the star power being matched together. And if we really think about it, that's the backbone of what Survivor Series is. It's like an All Star game. It's like putting your stars together. I'm more juiced about that fact than I actually am about the stories. Like the shields back together. I'm more excited that they're back together than I'm excited that the storyline makes sense, right? I'm more excited about Raw versus SmackDown under siege because there's been action more than it actually making sense. John Cena, perfect example. You're right. The business numbers won't change. They'll go up because John Cena's on this card. That doesn't mean it makes even remote sense that he's in this match. They're going so, to explain it, though. And like, oh, they're not, they have I, I, I don't know. I'm not a writer, but you think they're just going to have Cena come out and they're yes. not going to mention it? No way. He can show up on Tuesday. Like, yes, they're going to do that. There, No, there is going to be some sort of, of dude, you really believe that? Like, yes. really, you think you think that they're just never going to explain why Cena joined Team SmackDown? They showed his Instagram photo of him lifting weights and were like, and basically just put it off like he's so like this means so much to him. That Dude, he Stephanie his- said on Monday night, it's part of the storyline. Stephanie they said it. it. They didn't even touch it. They're which was going their- to, though. They, they are going. Something is going to happen on Sunday at Survivor Series that is going to explain what happened. Or it will happen the next night on Raw or it will happen next Tuesday night. The scenario is something starts on Sunday that triggers Cena's WrestleMania program. They're not going to fill in the hole of why he's on SmackDown and why he's there. I he's disagree. basically an expensive ornament that they're putting on top of the card to get more people to watch it. I just, I, I, I hope you're wrong, but if you're right, then that's not a good sign for the for creative silver. But it, but it matches up with what you said when you read the Meltzer statement. That's actually their reality because look, we know there's a lot of creative ideas that are bounced around in that company, but it's a bottleneck. There's one person at the end stamping it, and that one person at the end, you're right, is more important, is more worried about the overall numbers than the tiny details. And Nick. What got you jazzed up as a fan and kept you juiced with the, you know, with with the formation and the jarring of the underjuice as a kid? Was it was it was it the shiny muscles? Yeah, to get you in the building, but to keep you there, it was the creative storylines, it was the hooks, it was the layers. You're talking about that 98, was it 98 Royal Rumble that we did that one time and you broke down, you know, of Shane flipping off 
uh, Steve Austin and the, the double and triple kind of swerves. It's those type of things. It matters. It still matters to me. All right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to always go back to that. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> but if you're going to get an adult to watch as many hours as I watch, then you have to have those those tiny details. And I'm sorry, WWE, I've seen your demographics. The majority of your fans are the Brian Campbell. They're 39 year old white males living in the suburbs. Like that's like, oh, that's the truth. They're ex fans who are trying to get their kids involved. So the ex fans are the ones who are driving the wallet. If my kids are going to wear WWE t shirts, because I paid for it, not them, right? So you're going to have to do that to keep me interested. You know, I disagree with probably 90% of what you are saying regarding Survivor Series, the build as a whole, but I'm going to side with you on the John Cena thing. I think they just saw this match and they're like, hey, we're going to put Triple H in this match. We need another big star on Survivor Series. Let's just shove John Cena in here. Like, I think they're going to come back after the fact and try to figure this out. Um, I just don't think they necessarily have a plan, but I want to kind of turn this to one other area here. Be safe. For me, this was the best week of WWE TV, I think since July and Great Balls of Fire, maybe August, leading into SummerSlam and that main event. If you agree with that, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to say yes or no, then how can you not like the build and what they've done? I understand you're saying you've come around. What I'm saying is it was really crappy week one, but they've really come through here, and not just on the main Survivor Series angle, on we're getting Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles in the main event. We're going to talk about all this later. We have a Charlotte Flair Alexa Bliss match. Went in the wrong direction. I didn't enter this podcast ready to say that I was unhappy at all okay. about the like this week of TV was great, but when we're comparing it in light of what Nick's saying about the numbers meaning more, well, they've booked it that way that the numbers mean more than the actual story. The big names against big names means more to them than the actual story to get people to buy subscriptions to tune in, and that was proven this week. Basically, I loved what happened Tuesday night, but yes, a little too formulaic. That was really but, my final. But, but, when but, I popped for it, I enjoyed it, but it was basically the kind of middle ground on getting me to not complain it was it was good so we know so we know wrestling is in sports but literally every all-star game that exists does not have storylines or reasons like when the when the when the cowboys play the eagles the division's on the line the nfc is on the line when when there's the pro bowl and you have mike pouncey trying to guard you know i can't even think of a a nfc defensive player for some reason right now but no one cares about that like it's just it's meaningless so I think there's more meaning towards Survivor Series than there has been maybe in years. And when you add on top of that match quality and the ability for storylines to divert off of these matches, I think they're giving us everything we could possibly ask for. I'm jazzed for it. Let's not miss that point. It was more of an argument of it's evolved into an argument of their theories and how that they how they book their business and how they do that. And that's where I got that's where I basically got got the jabs in there. But overall, yes, they have me jazzed for Sunday. It's a loaded card and they've done enough prerequisite things to get you popping for it. Um, And I will say that I'm also now excited for Survivor Series moving forward, because if this is the stage they've set and the foundation that they've laid for this SmackDown Raw rivalry, I think this is only going to get better in in the coming years. And hopefully they do what we wanted them to do this time around, which is plant seeds in advance. So it's not so abrupt when it happens next October and next November. Now moving Bonus DM slide before we do. We Tony B sent us to us last week. This one we didn't get a chance to answer it at T. I'm sorry. This is a, a new one this week. T Barg 37. It's in this topic. He said, "Did it bother you guys watching Braun save Roman and the Shield and stand right next to them on Tuesday night and help them with the beatdown?" For the, I had for, the, for, the, for, the, for the record, you just said in this topic. 
Yeah, and which this is, which, is, which is like me saying in, the, in this camp in this Campbell no, no, podcast. It error. I was saying that this DM wasn't from last week. I screwed up. It's actually connected to this topic, which is why I'm bringing it up now. I'm just basically saying. Nah, you botched. It's okay. You botched. I don't but have an issue. Yeah. Well, I didn't actually botch it, but it doesn't matter. That doesn't like that's not the point. The point is. Uh, Repeat would, the spot. Go ahead. I didn't have an issue. <laughs> I, I also have, I also had no issue with it. We pre-established they're fighting on the same team. They've actually given us four weeks to understand why these guys would want to be on the same team. Unlike night one of the SmackDown thing where you're you're making a leap in your. In and, by, your in- and by the way, they were literally on the same team last year. Like all four of them were actually on the Survivor Series team a year ago. So they're not even on the same team this year. Who cares? Yeah. The only moment that was really good, Nick, was when the Usos came in and Roman sort of put his hands up like, all right, all right, we're family. I'm not going. The that was kind of cool. That, that is no word that yeah. in. Cool. It was like a nod to the fans. Like, like we, we, we hear you. We see you. We know what's going on. And also, like, Braun Strowman's a face now, and the Shield are clearly faces. So, like, I, I understand keeping them apart. And this is another quick aside. There's so much going on here. We're going to have to breeze through the rest of the show because we've spent a lot of time on this, deservedly so. Um, they've done a really nice – this is not on our rundown here, but I feel like this is worth noting. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe I, I'm missing something here. I don't know if we, if we have – are we talking about Reigns at any point here over the rest of this? Because it's very much worth noting – that Roman Reigns is getting a ton of face heat right now. Like, he's not getting booed at all now that he's out there with the Shield. And he was the one that cut the, the, the short, maybe like a minute-long promo on Monday night that he delivered very well, that got a huge face reaction. WWE has nailed this with Roman Reigns here with yeah. the Shield. Now, it, it remains to be seen if he's going to be able to keep that up when the Shield eventually breaks up and Reigns goes back in the main event to likely face Lesnar at WrestleMania. So who knows how that's going to work out. But I think that we can say the Roman Reigns face experiment with the Shield has been a rousing success thus right. far. The, the, the timing with the Shield was perfect. And his interplay with Steph is what made it this week where she was like, you know, where have you been? He's like, hold the phone. Where have you been? Where the hell have you been? You went through a table at Mania. We never saw you again, which, again, is one of those that they don't do enough of the tip of the fan to the angry tip of the cap to the angry fan. Who's like, who's been counting, who knows that Steph hasn't been on TV in a long time. And I think, you know, for all the talk that, that I do sometimes about Steph burying top baby faces, they let Roman get in some shots there. So that was full protection and, and posting up as top babyface. You, you couldn't have said it any better. All right. Second part now of our double main event, still a lot for us to get into here. So we're going to, this is going to be a, a jam packed podcast. Now, Daniel Bryan was on Sirius XM's busted open radio. Now I will say this as someone that worked at Sirius XM for a decade. Our podcast is the absolute best, but if you get the chance, you should still check them out. They're not better than we are. Love you guys. Dave LaGreca, Larry Dallas, Alex Metz and company, but they are good guys, not as good as us. So keep listening to <laughs> us, but, th- but they are also great at busted open radio and close personal friends of yours. Truly. Now, Daniel Bryan said to, to Dave, to Larry on Busted Open Radio that he thinks there's an 85% chance that he wrestles again, but only a 20% chance that WWE will be the ones that clear him. Here's his first quote. All the tests that I'm taking are all saying that not only am I good, but I'm better than your average person who's never had any concussions. So that's the frustrating part. He also went on to say, I know that WWE wants me to wrestle, but if I get a test that says, hey, you shouldn't wrestle again, I'm not going to wrestle, meaning that if he actually gets something that says he shouldn't wrestle, he will actually not do it. He says he believes an independent schedule would be easier than WWE. He's not saying he would leave WWE. I think that's just a statement that any any wrestler, any worker would agree with here. So, Brian, this was pretty interesting stuff from Daniel Bryan on uh, on Busted Open Radio and maybe his future in wrestling, whether it's WWE or otherwise. 
Look, this is a very, very big topic and a lot of directions we can go with this. And I think it also ties into some of the teases we've seen in the under siege build involving Daniel Bryan and the back and forth with Shane. But the most important sort of spinoff question that I have here, Nick, is it really goes back to everything I'm saying with Jericho Omega and the idea that maybe may or this may or may not be a real revolution in pro wrestling in terms of creating a real competitor for WWE. And again, it's not a financial battle. It's more of a critical battle. And Daniel Bryan would be a major player in that. We know his contract is up, I believe, at the end of September 2018. So this could happen at a real key turning point. If he feels, and he's been getting tested now for the last couple of years, everywhere he can get tested to get every possible opinion and all the information he has, if he feels that he is cleared to wrestle again and WWE does not clear him, it's going to get very, very interesting. And I think it comes down to this. I don't believe Daniel Bryan is motivated by money. So I don't think it's as easy for WWE to say, we're just going to throw a ton of money at you and we'll give you like a little bit of what you want. We'll give you like a couple protected matches of what you want to keep you happy. I think it's a little bit more than that. Daniel Bryan is one of those guys who's an artist who came from the Indies and I believe really wants to complete his journey, his legacy as a sports entertainer, as an artist, as a pro wrestler. Nick, we've talked that if this revolution is real, then you're going to need Kenny Omega because he's the Hogan or Austin of that. And that's 100 percent true. If Omega goes back to WWE, this conversation is over. But I think that Daniel Bryan is as important to this revolution happening (laughs) as, let's say, Hulk Hogan was to the NWO, meaning Daniel Bryan could potentially represent the commercial backbone that you would need. Let's say if he was to leave WWE and split time between Ring of Honor and New Japan to make something like this a reality. It would be a big thing if he gets cleared and he leaves. But I'm not going to say that the odds are in favor of that happening because his wife... I disagree with that completely. I think Daniel Bryan's out of WWE. I would prefer that he's out in WWE. I hope because I want to see... Why would he stay? Well, it, there's a couple things here. His wife has got to be a big part of it because she wants to make a comeback in 2018 with the Bella Twins. She said that on, on, a, on a recent podcast or radio show. And they have a lot of money tied in right with the Total Bellas, with the Total but Why would WWE cut off their nose to spite their face and say, oh, Daniel Bryan, you stay here or Brie Bellas? Like, WWE's got too much money that they're making off the E! Network and Total Bellas that if Daniel Bryan goes to Ring of Honor, they're not going to fire Brie Bella. Like, like the Bella not, Twins are too important. scenario in recent times where that's worked with a power couple where where one has left like a CM Punk and you know AJ Lee didn't hang around a long time right like you've seen a time completely completely different completely so different the odds are probably more likely that WWE gives him a piece of what he wants to satisfy him if he's cleared and I like that he said by the way you love that he said if I'm not cleared I'm not going to do it and he went on to say that his daughter means you know the world to him he's got a what a 1 year old daughter like it, it's a big deal here but Nick if he goes like we talked about like something like Jericho and the Wrestle Kingdom Omega matches is, is the next step in making this this thing a reality a happen. If Dan O'Brien left, that is a major next step. That's a foundational block that I think would have to be there for real competition to be established and to continue. Silver King, I, I think there's not, not no doubt, 
I would say that it's over 50% that Daniel Bryan leaves WWE to go do his own thing at some point. Because if I were him, that's what I would do. He's already climbed the mountain of WWE. He made event at a WrestleMania. He had his WrestleMania moments. He's done everything that he can do in WWE. Now it's just a matter of doing it again. Why would he stay in WWE if they're not going to give him what he wants, which is a main event level push? You know, like being at the top of the roster and it doesn't look like that's going to happen like a piece of what he wants why would he take a piece of what he wants when he can leave get the full magilla still make a ton of money and further explore his, his creative freedom like it just makes no sense to me so there's a couple things here one wwe is currently un involved in a concussion lawsuit so any decision they make with a current performer or, or someone under contract they are making under that guise. They know that something's already happening and they can't clear someone that they have any risk whatsoever of clearing. So, Nick, I agree with you. I think it's 50-50 at this point. But there are a lot of benefits. Even though WWE wrestlers are independent contractors, there is a lot of benefits to being a WWE employee and with this company. Just Incredible just came out, I think, yesterday, maybe two days ago, and credited WWE and Vince McMahon for saving his life because of their wellness policy and because of the things that they do for wrestlers, not just while they're still employed there, but after their career to ensure they're healthy, both mentally and physically and so on. So if you have a guy who does have potential brain injuries or concussion concerns, you don't want to necessarily be on the independent circuit at a Ring of Honor show in you know some small town in Nebraska or overseas in Japan when you have these issues. He also has a young child at home. Maybe they want to have a second child. They're, and Brie obviously is still employed by WWE and on the e-show Total Divas and Total Bellas. There are myriad reasons why WWE is a better spot for Daniel Bryan than doing that. As long as, and he mentioned this on Busted Open Radio, they would be willing to give him a reduced schedule, uh, a lighter load of matches. So he only has to wrestle the same number of matches he might wrestle on the independent circuit. More than all of this, right now, guys, I feel they're doing an angle to bring him back. Like He is way too involved in too many different elements of WWE TV right now that would ultimately end with him needing to fight for it to not be that type of angle. You usually don't No, get... but they've been doing this for a year no, now. It's starting with the Miz thing last year there, on whatever Talking Smack or whatever it was. There this are is not new. There are very few times that a WWE talent gets involved in an angle that does not end in physical altercation. Corey he Gra did it a year ago. Corey Graves... Like the Miz angle didn't end in a physical altercation. Corey Graves being one of them. The Miz angle, I don't necessarily know, and maybe it was planned. I don't know how planned that was. I think the Miz... Went a little off script on that talking smack, and that's yeah, why it was. I was there that day backstage at SmackDown. He basically voiced his frustration yeah. to me, and then that night, that was in the in the in the pubescent days of talking smack, where guys were just running their mouths like old school. Yeah, promos. this is this is a planned set up angle over weeks and maybe months, and it just feels to me like they're trying to make a move to maybe bring him back at WrestleMania. And maybe I'm acting like a smart here saying this. I certainly don't have any insider information, but combining that with everything else, I said, guys. WWE is the best spot for him, and any talk of a revolution, we, we said, said this last week, we're way too early for that. If Brian does leave Not in early. September and goes to New Japan, New Japan and starts wrestling Kenny Omega, all right, BC, I'm with You're you then. That guy who every step along the way says, nothing to see here, There's the, tide, the, the ship's not sinking, there's nothing to see here, and then the next step, like, we're already, pat, like, oh, sorry, the revolution's real. The, no, will it's it not. Get to a point where they're real competition? Like, if, if a guy like Dave Meltzer is constantly putting over the fact that the best wrestling isn't happening in WWE, so what? then the revolution 
revolution is already a so, real thing. So great for Dave. There's awesome in-ring wrestling in Japan. There's no revolution right now. We went over this last week. Well, like, well here's here's it, honestly, on. like, let me try and break the tie here. I honestly, in my honest opinion, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like, Bri, I think you go a little too overboard with the revolution, and it's great because you're a huge fan, and you can tell you, your, your passion's there, and, like, I hope it happens. But, Silver King, I also think that you are throwing way too much cold water on the idea. Like, we're getting Jericho and Omega at, at New Japan's equivalent yeah, of WrestleMania. Ne Neville is out of the company. When his contract is um, up, he's probably going there, too. How know? about this? Reports, I think it was PW Insider just said, not only is Neville not out of the company, and this is new, so no fault for not hearing this yet. They reported this yesterday. Not only is he not out of the company, he might be coming back to WWE. So your revolution, BC, may be over before it even started. Well, look, yeah, 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 yeah. Silver came because Neville's going to be the one that ends he, the revolution. What well, the hell are you talking about? It's have to happen for to get there, but you can't act like it's not already happening. You can't act like there's not already like a foundation being built for 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 potentially real competition. And Brian's and Brian's uh, right and, about that. Brian is right Oh, about that. I think there's momentum towards a second brand mattering in the United States, but a someone else mattering is not a revolution to me. I think that term oh, is just insane. Of course it is. It's a it's a revolution because it's potentially a better product. That's the reason why it's a revolution. Whereas like WCW's push was more like we have we stole big names and overpaid them from you. So it was a little different. This is the reason why this one won't be financial. Will be it will be creative and critical is because they're offering a product that's almost new and different in the eyes of people who only watch WWE. Yeah. So, so Bri, Bri, Bri is talking like the revolution's at a boil. <laughs> I think it's more like a simmer right now, but it's simmering. It's simmering, like, Silver King. And Silver King's act, you're acting like it ain't on the stove. No, yet, I'm not. King. No, no, no. I'm it's not. Simmering. I'm not saying that. Uh, it's, it's Bro, you, you said verbatim there is no revolution. And it, there kind of is, right? I don't think it's as 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 far along as Brian does, but but it, it's it's simmering right now. The pasta's, listen, the pasta's in the, in the pot, but it's still raw. That's what I'm saying. Well, okay, a couple of things we can't forget. It's simmering. We can't forget where Dan O'Brien came from. I mean, he came from a place like Ring of Honor when when the indies were started to get reborn, when the idea of the indies doing this new style that was different from, you know, big brand WWE, like he's one of the originators in that. Like he was never supposed to make it with WWE. So it's not crazy to think that he wants to go back to where he came from. Now, the weird thing is I'm normally the conspiracy guy, and I kind of like Silverstein's take here because when I saw this interview, WWE doesn't, like, they control who gets to interview where. And to know that Daniel Bryan did this interview and that he ran his mouth so freely, that did kind of, like, I thought it was a dated interview at first. I was like, wow, that was really this week? That did kind of spin me off right there. And the fact that they're still teasing on the screen that there's things to come. And I think this is the natural transition here. Not Shane's been making comments in recent weeks about Daniel Bryan, and obviously that boiled to the point of Tuesday night when they had that little backstage interaction where Daniel Bryan's like, you know, I want to talk to you after Survivor Series, and they, and they left it open and awkward. Like, obviously it behooves WWE. They know Daniel Bryan's brand power. They know that he's not, like, deadly loyal to them like he like i said he's not driven by money he's like he's he says inappropriate things on w on wwe programming all the time and gets away with it like he's a wild card the best thing they could do is keep him happy and set him up in an angle and and do that are we on the way there and a bonus dm slide from nick flynn that we didn't have time to get to nat last week it's at n flynn underscore 17 says he watched last week's smackdown he heard shane omax opening where he brought up daniel bryan and it made him think and wonder how possible is it for shane to be the one who set up Kane to beat down Daniel Bryan two weeks ago. And is this setting up for a DB Shane match at WrestleMania? Nick Costos, answer that one. Answer this. I, 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 I'm, 
I hope not, because if Daniel Bryan is going to return, it better be against someone better than Shane McMahon. That's not shade against Shane McMahon, but I want to see Daniel Bryan in the ring against someone better than Shane McMahon. Give me Daniel Bryan against AJ Styles. Give me Daniel Bryan against Nakamura. Give me Daniel Bryan against Seth Rollins or Finn Balor or Kurt Angle. I don't want to see Daniel Bryan against Shane McMahon. That would that would not do it for me. So, Nick Flynn, I'm hoping that that is not the case. But when it comes to WWE, really, who the hell knows? And it is worth noting, Shane McMahon has been somewhat of a box office draw for WWE over the past couple of years, starting with the Hell in the Cell match at last year's WrestleMania against The Undertaker. Now, that does it for our double main event, Brian Campbell, which means it's time for us to move on to Hero or Zero. It is the lightning round edition. Silver King, take it away. Quick takes, guys. Number one, Raw on Monday ended with Braun Strowman hitting his running power slam on Kane and driving the big red machine straight through the mat. That's it. Hero or zero, BC. Uh, this is very easy. Dead crowd, dead angle, stupid non-finish. No noises made by the crowd. The, the show ended with the two of them just laying in the ring. That sums up what a stupid idea it was to rush out, run out this feud. I mean, Nick, what else can you say about it? This was beyond zero, and I'm glad that they left it out to dry and got roasted because everybody sat there looking at it like, what's actually going on here? Do you know what I want to happen every time I see Kane on the screen? I want Braun Strowman to power slam me through the ring and knock me out so I don't have to watch any more of it. I mean, how about Kane's promo? He goes, I could hear Braun Strowman's bones crunching in the in the garbage disposal. Well, if that's the case, how is he still walking around power slamming people? It's and like we talk about storylines not making sense. Can you I mean, can you at least try half-heartedly to have it make sense? Get Glenn Jacobs off my damn television. I if if I never see Kane again on TV, it'll be too soon. Get him the hell off. Of course, it's an obvious you, zero. You guys know what's going to happen with this, right? No? Uh, uh, I see a confused what? look. I mean, Braun Strowman spent two weeks in a garbage truck. Kane's going to spend a week under the ring. See you at Survivor Series coming right up through the mat. Right? Oh, God. Uh, please, no. Right? Please, please, no. All right. Please, no. I'm going to spend. But, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, listen, but you're, you're not wrong. I know. Very well <laughs> I'm going to spend a week getting residency in Knox County, Tennessee to vote against him. So maybe I'll vote for him. <laughs> no, That's vote for him. Vote yeah. for him. Get, get him off the screen. Get him into office there. Okay. Number two, Paul Heyman's promo ahead of the Brock Lesnar AJ Styles match. It got off to a rough start on its own, but then it was interrupted by a marriage proposal in the crowd. Nick, here are zero. I'm not just proposing to your significant other during a wrestling show, but doing it while Paul Heyman is speaking. I think you guys can get the gist of the fact that there's few things I hate more than wrestling fans that think that they're part of the show. And I say this as a wrestling fan of, of 30 years at this point. Like, you're not part of the show. No one cares about you. Like, the people that bring beach on, balls. Dude, you work for WWE? That's such a corporate. No, 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 no. Because, 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 listen, you can go and you can cheer. And I go and I cheer when I go to wrestling events all the time. But you are not part of the show. Like, when you go and you bring a beach ball, you try and make yourself part of the show when you propose during monday night raw you are trying to make yourself part of the show you are not part of the show no one pays to see you hey schmuck that proposed to your girlfriend no one paid to see you no one cares about your engagement and quite frankly i hope your marriage goes poorly and i hope you get divorced because you interrupted paul Heyman. <laughs> and look and, and Heyman did a great job of of, of of spinning it and saying, you know, the only reason you said yes is because you haven't been with a beast like Brock Lesnar. Great line by Paul Heyman. It never should have happened. And, and look, like I said, 
I, I kind of hope that that marriage goes awry for those two because how like you are not part of the damn show. Powerful, powerful finish there for Nick Costas. The only thing I'll say is uh, it wasn't really a good promo for Heyman. So this is actually the best thing that happened to that segment because Heyman quick on his feet is still amazing. Like, that's a pretty bad Heyman promo. Like, sorry, like, no juice You're to right. it. You're right. It actually may have been the worst Heyman promo that we've heard in quite some time. Like, it was just a mistake to go through the one through five because it felt like it was going on forever. So that that's actually, your point is not wrong. That it was actually probably good for the promo itself that it happened. But also, like, that was calculated. That guy said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait till Paul Heyman comes out and I'm going to propose to my girlfriend. Guess what, buddy? You ain't part of the show. No one cares about you. We're going to forget it. No one even knows your name. No one knows your girlfriend's name. Next time you think about doing something like that, look at yourself in the mirror and repeat after me. No one cares. I think Daniel Bryan's impression of a Paul Heyman promo was better than Paul Heyman's promo this week. All right, guys. One week after being sent home from the overseas tour, uh, Dave Meltzer, by the way, reported the situation was merely a misunderstanding. But Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are the only top stars right now who do not have a match at Survivor Series. So, BC, hero or zero on the idea that these things are not mutually exclusive? Yeah, I don't think they are. I say zero. I don't think, or I'm sorry, I, I think it's just a zero. I don't think they're connected. I think what we're going to see is KO and Sammy have a huge impact on that five on five match, you know, maybe even costing SmackDown or, and, or, you know, uh, Shane McMahon, a big part of that. The fact that I don't know which direction it's going to go and who they are going to feud with as a spinoff actually gets me pretty excited. I want to see where this head, and I think that all along this was the plan. There's only so many stars. Like, I think they kind of forced the Shield New Day match. A great forcing, but I don't even, I'm not even convinced this was part of the original plan. I think it's like a bonus to us. I think that KO and Sammy have to have a role, just not going to be in a match, but they will. It's going to be awesome. No, I, I agree, because I think they were sort of planting the seeds for this, for Sammy and KO to not have a match at Survivor Series. Remember, they both lost qualifying matches to get into um, Team SmackDown at Survivor Series. They had both had been you know, kind of whining about the fact that they weren't on the card before all the stuff happened um, on the European tour. And I agree with Brian. They will be involved at some, in some way, shape, or form at Survivor Series. And I am also, like Brian, excited to see what happens next with those two, who quite frankly have been two of, if, if not the two best performers in the company over the past two months or so, right up there with the very best. You guys nailed it. Number four, Jack Swagger at age 35 has signed with Bellator MMA as a heavyweight. The former All-American wrestler at Oklahoma with the Sooners uh, has never competed in MMA before, but is looking to go the way of Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, CM Punk. Nick, hero zero on this move for Swagger. Um, there's, I have to be, I'll be totally honest like I always am. There is nothing in the world I care less about than Jack Swagger going to oh, MMA. The only thing that would make me care is if before Jack Swagger came out, I heard and it was his old theme song that he had with We the People with Zeb Coulter and Cesaro. That would get me fired up. Otherwise, I mean, really? Jack Swagger going to move the meter for me? Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't care. Complete, I'm on the complete opposite. I love this. Like, for years, they've asked people like Jim Ross, you know, which WWE guy would make the best MMA in a transition. He's always said, Jake Hager, Jack Swagger, right? Former All-American. He's six foot seven. He's got size. I don't expect him to be good, by the way. But the point is, he signed with Bellator, not the UFC. Bellator has that carnival side to them where they make, like CM Punk never should have went to the UFC, never should have fought on the UFC card. It was a joke. Bellator is the home for these type of Kimbo Slice, like, like ridiculous carnival fights. He has the potential, guys. To fight Bobby Lashley, who's under contract with, with Bellator. Of course this is a smart move. He's got the wrestling foundation, which is the best foundation to have if you're going to make 
a kind of stupid move like this. I'm sorry, at 35 with no experience, it's kind of a stupid chase the money, live the dream move. So if you're going to do that, go somewhere where they'll match you up with stiffs and they'll build up a Bobby Lashley showdown. Nick, you got to care about that. The Carney, the Carney in you, Nick, has to care about Swagger Lashley in a cage in a real fight. Come on. Um, I would probably, I would not pay to watch it, but I would probably watch it after the fact. Yeah. It's I, just that's, MMA pornography. That's what it is. I mean, come on. That's the only match. I would, if you can get me Swagger and Lashley, I'll watch that. All right. Speaking publicly for the first time since being granted his release in July, Austin Aries told Chris Jericho on his own podcast, and this is contrary to reports, that he was actually cut by WWE and did not request his release. WWE said it had nothing to do, nothing for him, I'm sorry, create, creatively. What WWE did, however, was give him use of the Performance Center for 90 days to rehab an injury. So, BC here, hero or zero on WWE cutting loose the greatest man who ever lived? I got to call this a huge zero. This was actually a shocker to me. I, I know this blipped on the radar. I thought this was a big story because to me, Austin Aries brought a lot to the table. When he was out with that eye injury to open this year, the work he did on commentary was top shelf. He even said it himself. After his first night, Vince McMahon called him into Gorilla and said basically, like, you're a natural. Like, God damn it, pal. Like, you're a natural. Like, he gave him that. Guys, we are talking right now about Corey Graves. He's amazing, right? But he's doing Raw and SmackDown, and it might not make a lot of sense. Aries could have been if even if you, even if at age 39 you don't want to use him as a performer, and I still think he had a lot of lot of lot left as a wrestler, but even just as a mouthpiece, him and Corey Graves could have been our Jesse Ventura and Bobby Heenan for the next 25 years, and I really mean that. So I think it's a fail to zero. But but why would he want to do that when he could still wrestle? Obviously, it's a zero from WWE because Aries is a great performer. I don't know if he's the greatest man that ever lived. It's a cool gimmick. It's a cool tagline. But I like Austin Aries quite a bit. And obviously, WWE dropped the ball because the cruiserweight division is an absolute joke. It's a disgrace. It's a shambles. It's a sham. Aries would make it better. Obviously, obviously, it's a big time zero that Austin Aries is not with the company. Right. And his feud with Neville, I think, is one of the top, you know, five, six, seven, eight feuds of the year in WWE this year. Ex ex except for the fact that Neville won every match in completely buried Austin Aries, but I know, <laughs> I mean, I know that's not what you're saying, but look, I think it used to be a non-cruiserweight. And one thing you did say in that podcast was that he was willing to do any role that they wanted. So I think it's a fail. That's all. By the way, WWE seems to have screwed both of them out of like WrestleMania DVD royalties by cutting their match completely off of it. So he may not have wanted to be released by WWE, but I know that's a reported sticking point for Neville. And by the way, we were going to end this segment guys, but breaking news, this just in, I'm seeing the tweet right now, James Ellsworth, has been future endeavored by WWE. So let's get this in quick. BC, hero or zero on Ellsworth being canned, but also his WWE role as a whole. I mean, it's a slight, it's a slight hero on him being canned. I don't think he like does like. I like him a lot. That's what I'll say. So a little bit of a slight hero, meaning like, look, people have to get cut. There's only so many roster slots that they're going to call people up. He only brings so much to the table. But I'll give his run a hero. And look, you got to really be honest. This is one of the better overachievement runs. Like, I know he's annoying with a lot of people, but his work in that Ambrose Styles program to end 2016 in a main event run with matches against both, like, it was pretty damn good. And I thought he was a good sort of valet after that. I'm going to give this guy a massive hero for what he's done. Not surprising, though, that the end would come and it would come right now. I don't know why they caught him. Like, I liked him as Carmella's sort of lackey. Um, I think he's entertaining. I think his promos are pretty funny. It's a big-time zero for me. I thought James Ellsworth was a guy that would be in WWE for 20 years just based on the fact that he draws a reaction every single time he's out there. Um, I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I'm sure there's something that went on there. Because there's really no business reason why this makes sense to me, given that he's an auto-reaction every time he comes out. So I don't like this news. And I'm a James Ellsworth fan, and... uh 
I hope he comes back at some point because yeah. I'm because I'm because I like him. You would have thought they might have a role for him as like an agent backstage or something where you can keep him around and use him occasionally, like Jamie Noble. So I thought that was weird too. But uh, yeah, good addition to Hero Zero, guys. All right, so we've got a couple pay-per-views coming up this weekend. Let's preview them quickly here. Um, I do not really watch NXT. I have no time, so I will just set the guys up, and they will get through it here. So um, let's spend some time here. Guys, are we going to talk about all these matches here that are listed or just the championship oh, matches? From Houston, Saturday night. This is a damn good card. On it paper, is. this is as good as they've ever had. All right, BC, let's start. Cassius Ono against Lars Sullivan. I think this is more of a speed through, you know, open curtain jerker. You're going to see a lot of power in this one, but this is really just just set the tone for the evening. You know, they use these opening matches to get young guys over. You saw it with, uh, well, not necessarily young guys, but guys that need pushes to get over. You saw it with Cien Almas, uh, obviously, at the last one. So I think you're going to see Sullivan win this and maybe get a little push in the next day. Now, Brian, I feel like your feel spot almost every week involves either Alistair Black or the Velveteen Dream. So I know you have to be fired up for this match between these two. Absolutely. And they've done this so right. I mean, there's actually been very little contact between them, very little hands-on attacking. It's been very microphone heavy. Uh, Both have really bright futures. That's why it's really hard to say both A, who's going to win and B, who deserves it a little more. I think Black is more of a long-term big picture guy for them. I think Triple H specifically loves this guy, has been a big part of building this gimmick with, you know, the at the last TakeOver event with the live rock band playing his intro. But Velveteen Dream has the kind of physicality and athleticism and gimmick that you don't see on the main roster. So give me black in this one. But I think both guys sooner rather than later are going to get the call up. So that's why I don't get that mad when a guy like Ellsworth gets endeavored because a few more people are going to have to get endeavored for guys like these to go up. It's crazy how much Patrick Clark has done with this gimmick. Like he's really selling it and it's working and I buy in like I fully buy in on Patrick Clark as a future WWE champion. I think black wins this match and I think he's going to be the NXT entrant in the Royal Rumble. All right, how about the NXT women's title match, guys? Asuka now in the main roster, so we've got Carrie Sane, Ember Moon, Nikki Cross, Peyton Royce. They spent a lot of time building this, a lot of sort of play-in matches to get here. Somebody's going to have to step up big and carry what Asuka's left behind. It was two years on top, never lost once, and was the best female performer arguing the company during that stretch. Here's going to be the issue. Who's going to grab the ball? I don't think Moon is ready. I know a lot of people like her. I know she's made huge leaps. Her last match with Asuka was fantastic. I still don't think she's ready. I think it's got to be sane here because she has the kind of charisma that can't be taught. She has a move set that really can't be taught. I think Nikki Cross is the sleeper in terms of the, the one of these four who could go the farthest potentially on the main roster. But I think it's Sane's time. She just won the Mae Young Classic. Synergy-wise, put the belt on her and see what you have here. With Sanity not having their titles on the line, so they're not going to lose them. I think you have an opportunity to really build that faction by giving Nikki Cross the win. They have two of the three NXT belts. Nikki Cross, BC, you and I said it, right? That Nikki Cross Oscar match on NXT TV, the false count anywhere, one of the top 10 matches of the year, in my opinion, uh, so, totally sold me on Cross, even though I think she kind of overacts a little bit. I think she Auto. wins this. I think she gets the title. Hey, the, the Sane and Cross, I think, are going to have a program for like the next year. Yeah. Those are the top two right now. Yeah. All right, now the NXT Championship match. Drew McIntyre, guys, defending against Cien Almas. Uh, Cien, obviously, we talked about it last week, made a huge jump, and Zelina Vegas by his side has been a huge part of that. I actually think it might be time to give him the belt here because Drew McIntyre is somebody who's going to do the opposite, the inversion. I think he's going to do much better stuff on the main roster when he finally gets back there than he could ever do on NXT. I don't think he's an NXT-type guy. I think he's got the size and physicality that will better work in the in the larger showcase with larger opponents. That's just my personal take. I don't think he can. he's as good 
single-handedly on the microphone as the lone champion. And he's had to take a lot of beatdowns since winning the belt, either from the Undisputed Era or now from Almas. I say you roll the dice and see what you really have in Almas. Give him the belt here and see what happens. Yeah, I thought, you know, I, I know that there wasn't much more for Bobby Roode to do, but this title change never made sense to me in the first place. It felt rushed for McIntyre, and I agree. I don't necessarily think he's doing great with the belt, but NXT history tells you they don't change the world title that much, or the main title, the heavyweight title, that much, unless it's going back and forth between, like, Balor and Joe. Like, that thing happens. So, I you think saw Ma- the last TakeOver card? Remember when McIntyre was in the main event and got totally outshadowed? Yeah. In the, in, in the, in sort of, I know that some of that is Bobby Roode's issue, but, like, it was almost a letdown when that main event came out in comparison to the matches we had seen before. Yeah. I think that shows you, like you said, Drew McIntyre's just not doing it. Yeah, I, now, he, it just doesn't really work for me, but I do think he wins, though. Now, I will say that um, I will probably check out this card coming up this weekend, mainly because I want to see war games. Back in WWE, this in NXT, not on the main roster, but I think this is going to be pretty cool. Triple H on the book. Saturday against the Undisputed Era, against the Authors of Pain, along with Roderick Strong. I have so much more confidence, like you said, because Triple H is on the book and not Vince or Kevin Dunn or anybody else, because I think Triple H had, you know, obviously had a great relationship with Dusty and he's going to do this justice. And I think they have done it justice in the in the video uh, montages to get you pumped up for this. These are the right three teams to do this. This could be mayhem. There could be some massive spots both in and outside the cage. It almost doesn't really matter who's going to win. But if somebody has to, I think it's time for the Undisputed Era to really get, I mean, they haven't really had matches, right? They just had a couple. This is their time to really establish themselves as, as they're going to have to run NXT for a while. Like, I don't think Cole's going to just bounce back from here to the main roster. I think AOP will go up sooner than any of the other three teams. So it's time to make the Undisputed Era a real faction that can run the whole territory for a year, year and a half. That's what we're going to do here. But like I said, superior to that comment is the fact that we finally have this match and Triple H is going to do it justice. Guys, I just watched a couple NXT takeover cards from 2015 in the last week and it's just the the grittiness, the booking, the storytelling, like man, that was the NXT glory day. I wish we could have that in the main roster and this is like the right setting to have that type of card over again. I think this is the best NXT card on paper since that run in 2015. Wow, that surprises me that you say that. I thought the one in Orlando was very good, but um, NXT sets the bar so high for the pay-per-view the following night. It, it, it's almost a detriment that they do this. And we're getting war games. Like, I know Nick's exciting. We're getting war games. I just saw the first one like four months ago when you guys made me watch it. I'm really excited. I don't necessarily get the, these teams, especially AOP and Roderick Strong. Like, give me a break. That doesn't really make much sense. But every match that AOP is in on an NXT TakeOver is incredible. I agree with you that Undisputed Era is going to win because they have to. But if you look at the way these teams are built, they shouldn't. Like, they should have no chance to win this match based on their size. So they either have to outsmart all of these guys, or we might see some additions to the Undisputed Era team, maybe some bigger dudes, maybe Lars Sullivan, maybe something well, that makes some sense and get, makes them a really legitimate stable with some muscle behind them. All right, so I think we're all pretty jacked up. Um, I wouldn't say I'm jacked up. That's probably not, not <laughs> accurate, but I will check out the War Games match for sure. And I know Brian and Silver King are really excited, and we will break it down on next week's edition of In This Corner. Now to preview Survivor Series. Um, does anyone have anything to say about the Enzo Amore Callisto Cruiserweight title match? Because honestly, I've reached the point where I now fast forward through every Enzo Amore segment on Raw. Like, because I'm the it's last brutal. defender of 205 Live, and I've skimmed through the last few episodes. I got to be back on the on the Silver Tree. Silver King train and say, man, this is awful. Did you see? No one saw it this week. There was a cake involved for Kalisto's birthday party. Enzo got ate the cake. Like, who cares? Like, just it's uh, this is the, the kickoff show match. I like that they're going to get time, but I have no confidence that these two can put forth a good match. This has not been a good build or feud at, by any means. 
end the show, end the division, get these guys integrated into the roster. Um, I don't know that I necessarily disagree with the Silver King at this point, not because the cruiserweights aren't viable, but because they've done such a poor job handling it. Now, the Women's Survivor Series match, the Raw team of Alicia Fox, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Nia Jackson, Auska against the SmackDown team of Becky Lynch, Naomi, Carmella, Tamina Snuka, and a TBA member, Brian Campbell. This is the uh, this is the worst match on the main card. Let's be really honest. I wonder where they're going to put. Is this going to be the pop? Somebody has to be the popcorn match to, be, to separate between the top two almost main event matches. Oh, it's this. It's this match. hundred percent. And, and, th- and this match should end in one way with Alska making everybody tap out. That's the only that, way that this match should go. Basically, the WrestleMania match that was the popcorn match where all the women were on it was on the SmackDown side and they yep. and, you yeah. know, and it was five minutes long. You you named it. Asuka's the only hook here. I hope that they book it in a way that she gets the shine she deserves on the main roster. But I didn't. I have such little patience or care for this match. So you said there's a TBA member. I didn't even know that. What's this? I didn't know either. I didn't know. By the well, way, is that true? I just yeah, read what's on the what's on the sheet. No, is that I, accurate. I wrote it. Charlotte was on the team, won the title. She's out of the match. And there's a on WWE.com. There's a gray you know silhouette that needs to be filled in. Oh, it's got to be Natalia, right? Maybe or maybe they bring someone back. I'll just tell you well, this. Oh, you know who else doesn't have a Survivor Series match right now? That's gotta be Kenny. That's gotta be Kenny. I mean, you might as well, right? You've used him to ruin every other storyline. <laughs> I, I tell you what, if WWE made Kane the fifth member of the SmackDown women's team, given he, that he's a male performer on Raw, I think that might actually be so bad and so ass backwards that it might actually be good. And then, and then of course, Asuka would have to break Kane's arm in order for it to really achieve true greatness. Then I might be in on, on that match. Now we have the Intercontinental Champion, The Miz, against the United States Champion, Brian Campbell, Baron Corbin. Uh, I'm more interested. Obviously, like a title's not going to change hands here. This is title for title ma- or championship versus champion match. I'm more interested to see the placement because if this opens the card, I think that it has potential to, to it, do. It ain't opening the card because this also probably has number two to potential to be the popcorn match before the main event. So it shows you that the, although the Miz's promo work and even Baron in return has been good, they haven't touched each other up to this point. They've been on separate brands. You're not going to get a great in ring match. So. What are we going to get out of it? Probably nothing good in reality, and I hate to say that. Uh, I think that you can have the Baron, Baron Corbin win here and continue to elevate him without hurting the Miz. Maybe that's where we end up going. Yeah, I agree. I think Baron Corbin goes over and wins this match. I think this is one of the best-built matches on the card. I mean, that social media build between these two guys, the video, the Miz, the Miz promo, that was incredible. Um, it's one-sided, though. Like, yeah. like Baron Corbin stinks. Like, the Miz is great. I'm not disagreeing there, but like the Miz, it, 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 Miz is carrying Baron Corbin in this, in this, in this, uh, in this build up. He is, but some of those Baron Corbin video, you know, tweets, they, they weren't terrible. Like they were probably the best promos he's cut to his credit. I don't know how much that says about him, but um, it's, it's like a long distance relationship though. They've cut these promos separate from each other. Yes. So like the promos are great, but it doesn't give me real juice to believe that they want to hurt each other or represent their brand. Right. It's sort of just like, absolutely. Yeah. And here's the other problem. I like the Miz. He's not the guy to bring the match out of Baron Corbin. And I like Baron Corbin, but he's not the guy to bring the match out of. I, I think I butchered that, but I think you get what I'm trying I to say. Um, the match between the tag team champions, um, this match is going to be awesome. I think from an in-ring perspective, Sheamus and Cesaro, the bar against the Usos. Interesting here because you have four great workers. All, all four, you know, all, Both of these teams have put forth great pay-per-view matches in the last three, four months. But this match is almost undershadowed by the fact that the shield is no longer in it. So it's under like juice. This this removed the underjuice. This makes it less important and obviously less appealing. But we just mentioned the wild card factor is that all four guys can work. So it may just end up being one of those in between matches, 15 minutes, but the last eight minutes are just hot fire the whole time. See, I think this is the match that opens the card. 
And I know I said last I week. Agree. I agree. I know I said last week Shield New Day might steal the show and, and be one of the match, best matches of the year. I think this is a sneaky contender for that as well. I tell you what, this 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 card's awesome, and this match is going to be awesome. I I, I just I'm I'm serious. I don't know that I was really excited for No Mercy, but that was more of a two-match card. I was really excited for SummerSlam, but that was really like more of a one-match card in totality. There are going to be several match of the year candidates, I think, that come out as a result of the show. I think Survivor Series, I'm going to call my shot right now. I think that at the end of the day, at the end of December, when we move into 2018, that we're going to say Survivor Series was the best WWE pay-per-view of the year. Yeah, um, women's, so. right? There's a and chance, it, right? This match that you're about to mention, this match is a gift that you're, it's, this is, I mean, several gifts that we've gotten here because Alexa Bliss versus Natalia was kind of like, eh, heel versus heel, not really into it. Now WWE did the right thing. They hot shot the women's championship onto Charlotte Flair, the SmackDown belt on Tuesday night. Now it's going to be Charlotte against Alexa Bliss. Now, before we sort of dive into this match, um, and we said we, like, are, we're going to have the same feel spot this week because all of us felt it. We got tweets about it. You all loved it as well. Um, so before we break down this match, how cool was it coming off the heels of the emotional 30 for 30 last week on Ric Flair that after Charlotte wins the belt in North Carolina, Rick's music plays, Rick comes out, Rick's emotional, Rick hugs his daughter, mouths how proud he is of her. The crowd goes nuts in North Carolina. I I mean, this was like a full, full on stuffing of the feel hole. You can't even attempt to be a snark against this. And I, I kind of, I DM'd Silver King right after it happened and was like, this was so predictable, yet so good. Like, everything about it was perfect. You'd love to see it because you love Rick. But just the way they set it up, every inch of that hog was like, you could your defenses had to come down, and you had to just enjoy the moment. My message to BC was, holy effing S. That's how excited I was to see Rick Flair come out. And I'll be honest, I don't know whether Charlotte knew he was in the arena or not, but I, I'm almost positive she did not know he was coming out in that moment. She looked legitimately surprised and ran into her father's arms. Like I'm getting the goosebumps here. You know, just talking about it. That was, whoa, whoa. That you was don't great. get kayfabed here. You, you think that she didn't know? Come on. I don't think, I don't think she knew. Cause she was walking back on that ramp. Just like talking to fans, whatever. I don't think she knew that his music was going to play and he was going to come out. All right. Smackdown um, versus raw. Well, we got to get to that match though. The match doesn't really matter. Oh uh, yes. I forgot. I forgot I about the match. Say that this card is so good, but because we got these last minute surprises, right? Lesnar styles, Shield New Day and now this third match, but it does get hurt with no build. It really does. Bliss Flair. It's so good that it could. It's not going to be the WrestleMania match because they'll probably involve Rousey and go a whole another angle. But it could could have been the WrestleMania match, title for title. Like you're almost hurting yourself, giving yourself four days to build with well, this match. Well, to that point, there's three of these matches changed in what the last two weeks with titles changing hands. So as great of a build as they made for the whole show, and and yes, all of these matches for the most part were made better because of those title changes, especially the world title. But, I mean, that's tough. That's tough for me as a fan. All right, so we have, we have talked about, guys, um, ad nauseum, the build-up to the Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series match. So let's give our prediction predicted winners here and how we think it's going to turn out. Raw, Angle, Triple H, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman against SmackDown, Shane McMahon, John Cena, Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Bobby Roode. Look, let's not undersell the potential for match of the year here. Last year's Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series match was... I think it was an hour and five minutes. That, I thought, was the third best match of the entire year last year. There's so many potential under storylines, under juice to, 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 to develop in this one. My favorite one that I want to see that I think will affect the outcome of the match is as angry as Kurt Angle looked giving Shane his comeuppance on Tuesday night. Kurt should and will 
look angrier when he looks in the eyes of Triple H, obviously, right? Because of what Triple H did to his son. That is going to play a big part in how this match is decided. I think obviously, or maybe it's not obvious, but I think Raw has to lose so you can shake things up corporately on Raw. So maybe Kurt loses his, you know, general manager job, but then wants then has to get trips and Steph back for it. It's going to be very interesting at the infighting within that red team. So it's tough to see Shane, Cena, Orton, Nakamura, Bobby Roode, you know, all beating this other team. They, they can all do the job. So for me, like, I think, sure, I think Kane gets Braun eliminated, and I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn get Shane eliminated. Um, I, I just think Raw wins in the end. I, I think it's too much. I think maybe Triple H stands on top. Maybe Kurt Angle stands on top or, or, or Braun Strowman or, or Finn Balor. There's too many guys from Raw who can survive, and I don't see that on the SmackDowns. Here's the thing that I want for this match. And WWE screwed it up at no mercy. It's the one thing that they have to get right. And that thing is Braun Strowman not jobbing clean. Now, if Kane's going to interfere and Braun gets pinned or submitted, fine. But Braun Strowman cannot lose clean. And I think there's an argument to be made that Braun Strowman should be the sole survivor of this match, Raw versus SmackDown. Um, we've already and talked about the Shield New Day match and how pumped we are for it. We all think it's a match of the year candidate. So let's just give our predicted winner. Bri, who do you think takes it? You know, it's, it's again, we're in a good spot where it almost doesn't matter. But there's a interesting element here of when they will start to sow some seeds of, of, of disrepair within the Shield. When is the first time that we're going to see Shield members not feel like brothers anymore? Will it be in this match? That's going to be sort of interesting to me. Will the New Day play on, pray and play on that and end up getting a victory? Because I'm not sure the Shield is going to stay together, even to Mania. That's my personal take. We'll see how it plays out. I think it's way too early for that to happen. And you're talking about three world champions against a team that basically just called them out and said they're not a real team. I think the Shield wins this. I don't think it's much of a question. Um, and I do agree they're going to have to split up at some point. They could just do it amicably and not have someone turn. But if they do, hopefully it's Dean Ambrose and they get him you know, into something that matters. All right, and the World Championship match, and I agree with you guys. The Shield's got to go over. The match is going to be great. Um, it's the Universal Champion Brock Lesnar against the WWE Champion AJ Styles. This is such a gift, such an incredible gift. It's interesting where it goes. I mean, you just think your natural inclination is to say, well, AJ's got a job. That's got that's to be the way it is. But as I'm watching Paul Heyman deliver that promo, I'm saying, why does that have to be the way it is? Like AJ Styles, outside of Cena and Reigns, is their biggest star, right? I mean, he's on that, a, not, not A1, not A2, but A3. He's right there on that top level. Why, why not? Brock Lesnar can lose but still retain the title. Why can't they put on a classic in which AJ wins? I don't think they will. I don't think why? it will. Go why? Because everything they've done in the last year has shown you that that's not going to happen. But uh, just I'd love to see AJ get some kind of shine here that if this goes on last, that he has a chance to be the last man standing. It probably doesn't happen to your points on Reigns versus Brock needing to happen at Mania make a lot of sense. But look, it's probably more likely that Jinder shows up with the Sings. I know that. But I'm almost as a babyface fan cheering for babyface AJ to kind of get a moment here because in reality, it's an all-star game and it doesn't matter. We'll see what happens. You talk about AJ doing that job to Finn. I mean, if you build him up by having him win the WWE title and then beat Brock Lesnar clean one-on-one -on -one in the main event of Survivor Series, well, you fix that. You know, that job, doing that job was perfectly fine. I don't think that happens, though. I think Nick's 100% right. 
you know, you're building Brock Lesnar up to be the beast and unbeatable guy so that Roman Reigns can beat him in the main event of WrestleMania. You're not going to have him do the job to AJ Styles. It just doesn't make sense. I do think it's a schmage finish like you do. Um, But yeah, Lesnar goes over. Or I got to tell you, I don't think it's going to be a schmage finish. I think Brock Lesnar is going to go over clean. I think the match is going to be awesome. They'll give AJ a ton of near falls. Maybe he kicks out of an F5, which we haven't seen people do this year to really sell it. But I think that that's how it's going to turn out. Brock Lesnar wins at Survivor Series because they got to keep Brock strong to feed him to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And guys, that does it for this week's edition of In This Corner, the professional wrestling edition with the Brian Campbell. So enjoy NXT TakeOver on Saturday night. Enjoy War Games and enjoy Survivor Series. You know we will, and we are fired up to talk about it next week. For the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, I am handsome Nick Costos, Brian Campbell. Two words to take us into, which should be a phenomenal weekend, we hope, in professional wrestling. Goodbye and good night. We out.